0: This This is is Yawa Yawa Radio. Radio. One welcome to the Yawa Radio podcast. The Yawa Radio podcast is an opportunity again to listen to one of our inspirational, thought-provoking interviews that we have brought to the listeners of Yawa Radio. Welcome to the first episode of Jordan
1: Space, the first of what we hope will be many shows where every fortnight you can join me, your host, Steve Phillip, alongside members of the Jordan Legacy team, together with some very special guests for an hour of conversation, music, and above all hope. Welcome to Jordan Space. This show does discuss themes of suicide, and we'd encourage you to take care of yourself by stepping away from the show at any point should you find the content triggering or uncomfortable to listen to. For support, please visit thejordanlegacy.com and our help menu options. Before we get into today's show, let's listen to some inspiring music and we'll be right back after this track. With inspirational guests from across the world. This is Yawa Radio. Welcome back. I'm Steve Phillip and this is Jordan Space. Tragically, in December of 2019, my son, Jordan, at just 34, took his own life. Following the publication of an article on LinkedIn about this experience, which went viral in 2020, I founded the Jordan Legacy, a community interest company whose mission is to work with partners, communities, and workplaces, and find practical solutions to help prevent people from taking their own lives. Jordan Space is somewhere for us to share our mission with you, the listener. Each 60-minute show will include conversations with our regular co-hosts, Danielle and Paul. We'll provide regular updates about how our work at the Jordan Legacy is progressing. And through a mix of conversation, guest stories, and music, our goal is to have you leave Jordan Space feeling inspired and believing that no matter how bad things get, there is always hope. So, 11 months to go until the biggest suicide awareness and suicide prevention initiative this country has ever seen. And it's all about raising awareness and how every one of us can get involved in helping to prevent suicide. Welcome to the show, Danny and Paul. How are you both?
2: Well, Steve, very
1: well. Good, Danny.
3: Yeah, really good, thank you. Not much sunshine here today, but glad to be here.
1: Now, well, that's one of the joys of living in the Northwest, I suppose, rather than uh, than Yorkshire, maybe. But uh, there we go. <laughs> so, uh, Danny, uh, how are you feeling about next year's uh, Baton of Hope?
3: Yeah, really excited. Um, it's just going to be a huge event and initiative. And it's just so important to bring everyone together with a passion for suicide awareness and prevention um, and just creating awareness, really.
1: I think you're right. Absolutely. How about you, Paul? What are you looking forward to?
2: Yeah, well, I'm excited as well. And also what I'm really looking forward to is the, the scale of it and the scale of ambition, because we often have small conversations in small groups in, in parts of the country. And it's a very positive conversation once we start opening up and people become more aware and learn about what they can do to help. So to have that on a national scale is, is awesome.
1: Ab- absolutely. And, and Paul, you're sticking with yourself just for a moment, what, what are you hoping will happen as a result of the baton of hope? Maybe a bit of a global question for you there, but what are your <laughs> yeah. thoughts on that?
2: Well, like you see, it's going to raise awareness, uh, which is really important. Um, it's going to um, prompt people to take certain actions that can help with suicide prevention. It's going to educate people. It's going to point people to tools, point people to very simple online training courses they can take it's going to basically in a really intense couple of week period with such a high profile just just increase our capacity to help prevent uh lives to suicide
1: yeah absolutely no totally agree and i think danny you know, kind of asking you the same question really what what are you hoping will happen as a result of the baton of hope What, what are you hoping will change
3: yeah, really just uh, to add to what Paul said, but also just that it, it will bring hope to people and, you know, everyone um, from all walks of life, you know, people in crisis, people that have been personally affected by suicide, and um, just really about bringing everyone together to create change and create a difference. So.
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely couldn't agree more. What is it about the Baton of Hope, do you think, that's hopefully going to make a real difference, uh, above and beyond you know other hugely successful campaigns we've had the, the three dads walking for example I was really fortunate to be able to meet with uh, Mike and, and Tim two of the dads uh, last week and mm-hmm. of course we've had documentaries like Roman Kemp's and Joe Wicks very recently in the last year or so um, how, how do you think the baton of hope is going to be able to make a, a real difference say compared with with those kind of uh, um, activities
2: well I think that um... Obviously, we're we're building on the good work that so many other people have have done, as you said, and and we want this to be a collaborative effort and we're we're not sort of, you know, trying to compete for attention or anything like that, except for, you know, where people are not yet giving it the attention that it needs. Um, I think that one of the great things about those documentaries you mentioned, one of the great things about Three Dads Walking and all these other great initiatives is that you always get people afterwards saying you know, it made me think about this for the first time, it made me discuss this for the first time, you know, a family member or friend or a colleague opened up for the first time and so that's what I think we're going to be seeing on an unprecedented scale all around the country, you know, with such a high profile. Your appearance on BBC Breakfast, which I'm sure we'll talk more about uh, with Mike McCarthy later, um, that that's what we're looking for. We're looking for that national coverage and over a sustained period, rather than one-hour documentary or a, a shorter period.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think the difference is that, as you rightly say, that that all those kind of initiatives that we mentioned have been so important. But it's probably the scale of of this one, isn't it? That uh, uh, is really the diff- difference uh, here. D- Danny, what are, what are, what are your thoughts in terms of you know making that comparison between the three dads, Walking and Roman Kemp? documentary for example uh, what what do you think is you know the baton of hope is going to do in terms of making a real difference?
3: Yeah I think um although it's essentially a two a two-week event running from June into July um I think what's important about about this is that we want to leave behind a legacy of change which I think is so important if we're going to create a society where we need to prevent most suicides Um, I think as important as it is to create awareness and raise money, which all of these other campaigns have obviously done, um, and what we're also doing, but it's also about um, creating real change.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Danny. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, And in a moment, we're going to ask these and other questions to arguably the person who is responsible for sowing the idea of the Baton of Hope in the first place. Before then, uh, let's hear some more music and we'll be right back yawa radio be happy be inspired welcome back everybody on december the 1st 2021 the jordan legacy had just hosted its first ever hope for life conference in Harrogate, north yorkshire within days of this event a group of us including our guests today were having a discussion about what else we could do to raise awareness and prevent suicide When the suggestion of a march on Downing Street was mentioned, it's probably fair to say that this was met with a somewhat lukewarm response. However, over the next few weeks, the conversation developed and became a discussion about something much bigger than simply a one-off march. Suddenly, the Baton of Hope UK 2023 was born. I'd like to welcome to our first ever show, our first ever guest, Mike McCarthy. Hello and welcome to the show, Mike.
4: Hello, Steve, and Thanks for inviting me.
1: Great. Uh, Mike, I think I'm right in saying that it was you who suggested that we consider doing some sort of march as a way of uh, raising awareness about suicide. What was it uh, you had in your mind uh, initially when that thought came up?
4: Well, well, it's strange because it's one of those things that, you know, um, here we are sort of fairly well into the um, sort of organisation pros- process <clears throat> at the moment. And um, I can't actually remember the details of the conversation that we had. I know we had a conversation and I know we mentioned the march and I think it was me who mentioned the, the march. Um, but I can't actually, you know, remember the specific moment when somebody said, how about a baton? Um, and turned it into, instead of, like you know, taking a petition or whatever to Downing Street, it was take something symbolic that would you know capture the public's imagination and um, yeah the rest is is history but i think with the march at that particular time uh, and and still really you know i and i know many other people sort of felt some frustration uh, about the way that um, suicide has been sort of swept under the carpet as a as a subject and um, you know i, I know the, the baton of hope one of the core principles is that that we want action but i think whoever it was who came up with the word baton uh has has a far more sort of graceful approach to these things than i do obviously <laughs> uh,
1: paul let me come to you look uh, you, you're renowned within our organizing committee for being able to retain vast amounts of of, of knowledge clearly mike and i are struggling a little bit to uh, kind of remember where this concept and idea of the baton of hope came from what what's what's your recollection of this
2: Um, Well, I think you're right to go back to the Hope for Life conference uh, in in Harrogate, a great conference that you uh, organised, Steve, amazing uh, event, pulling people together. Maybe just actually before that, because you and I were talking about the importance of hope and finishing conversations with a sense of hope and having a conference, you know, looking at at sources of hope. And you and me and Mike were there in Harrogate. And I remember a number of conversations where we were saying, yeah, what can we do to really start? do something at bigger scale, to have more impact, to, to get people coming together. And there was a number of ideas coming, and I think I might have thrown in the Olympic kind of torch and so on. Ian McClure, who was another key person conver- conversing with us at that time, was talking about some things they are in Warrington in the Northwest, uh, a lot of kind of, mar- not marches, but gatherings of people, night walks, um, walks into dark, walks from from dark into light, you know, people starting their walk in the in the, uh, in the night and then coming out in the dawn. Um, and then Mike specifically, as you recalled, said all about a march on Downing Street. Um, and we had that conversation, pulling all these ideas together to say, well, look, a march on Downing Street obviously has its benefits, um, but, you know, it's only trying to change one part of the system, isn't it? What the government is doing. And this is about the whole system and the whole population and kind of things that Ian was talking about. Uh, You know, can help people in small locations and have intense impact there, which is great. Uh, And then, yeah, we kind of latched onto the Olympic torch idea of a way of making it national, having people coming out, being able to get a message across. And then the conversations turned to, um, you know, to, to having some intense, you know, this intense period of activity and events and what we could do. And I think Baton came up as an idea. Uh, kind of the idea of passing it on passing on the baton from one location to another and linking people together there was a bit of a kind of sporty analogy obviously with the uh, the the real analogy but it wasn't meant to be a race (laughs) and and of course we came back to coming back to that word hope you know because hope is so important to us where there is hope there's life Uh, and then somewhere in the middle of all these conversations yeah baton of hope, um, you know, was what we converged to. And it just resonated with everybody. And I remember everybody saying, yeah, that's it. Yeah, baton of hope. And and I was joking with Mike, you know, baton of hope. Uh, He says it clearly and and gets the message across rather than my Northeastern accent of baton. (laughs) Um, But it's now, it's just, it's, it's evolving still, but it's taken shape. And because we're now concentrating on the concept and what needs to be done to make it work, and what impact we want to have. Some of the past kind of shaping of some of these early concepts has probably got a little bit hazy.
1: Good, brilliant. Well, thank you. I'll be taking scrupulous notes here actually, just, just so I can re- remember actually how it all started as well. So thanks for filling in the, the blanks for, for me there, Paul. Mike, one of the reasons for inviting you on to on today is is to tell us a little bit really about yourself and and, and your story. I mean, clearly it's a story that involves your son Ross and it's really how you and I came to know each other uh, I think I, I first became aware of you when you were being interviewed on either Sky News or or, or BBC News um Mike I, I, I to share with the listeners really just a little bit about kind of your background and, and kind of your 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 career and everything and uh, and then, if you're happy to, just kind of sharing really a little bit about Ross and 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 obviously you know what 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 happened at that time.
4: Sure, um, it came sort of not long after I retired from uh, being a, a television news reporter and, and presenter for the BBC and for Sky News, which I'd done for forty odd years, and. Um, it was you know, not, not long um, after that that uh, Ross took his life. Ross took his life in February last year of 2021, and uh, it just sort of changed everything. As, as you know, Steve, you know, the, the world, the life that you're expecting suddenly becomes completely different and um, I thought that after you know my career I was sort of looking back on it and being reflective as you do uh, anybody who's retired will, will know what I mean and um, I was thinking well I managed to sort of get away with it I sort of uh, got a fairly clean sheet and hadn't made too many mistakes and I was quite proud to be honest, of, of um, what I thought I'd achieved. Um, more importantly, I just thought, this is it, it's retirement. This is, you know, although I loved my job, this is something that I've been really looking forward to and I've got a great family to to share it with as, as much as possible. Um, and I didn't think anything could go wrong, but it, it, it did, you know. And um, when Ross took his life, uh, it... Sort of forced me to completely reassess uh, what I was going to do with the rest of, of my life, and um, yeah that 's sort of how we how we met isn't it
1: yeah, and I can kind of really relate to that because I think you know we both found ourselves in situations where we had plans, you know whether that was for retirement or whatever retirement may may look for and and you know when something like this this happens, you know I often describe it as. You know, my world was just turned upside down. Everything that I believed, everything that I held true, everything that I was was planning for the future, you know, just changed out of all recognition. And uh, you know, and, and I think just you know, probably most people listening to this would 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 understand uh, that really. Um, kind of one of the things I'm really interested in, in, in now is that you know I, I went on my own journey and created the, the the Jordan Legacy, and you know we're working together on the Baton of Hope, which we're going to talk more about but i'm really interested for you to kind of share with us a little bit more about you know what you're doing now and the work you're doing now and maybe some of the you know the more hopeful things that have come out of this situation for you uh, i understand you're even in, been involved in setting up uh, a couple of men's talking clubs that uh, uh, one or two well-known football clubs in the yorkshire area
4: oh yes yes i must uh, get a plug in for those um yeah what, what happened is that um Ross left a, a, a long sort of farewell letter and one of the things that he said in that letter uh, that really, um, you know, I don't know, just spoke to me was please fight for mental health, the support is just not there. And what he meant by that is that he'd suffered from severe depression for 10 years, over 10 years in fact. and had gone to ask for therapy and was sent away and put on a six-month waiting list and he died two weeks into that wait. And it, that, that that sentence, you know, please fight for mental health, the support is just not there, prompted me to do as much research as I, I could. Um, I wanted to understand, and again, you know, I guess that maybe many people who are in this situation feel the same way, that they just want to try to have some kind of comprehension about why somebody chooses to do that or why they feel that they have no other choice, essentially. Um, so, yeah, I spoke to lots of charities, lots of other bereaved mums, dads, brothers, sisters, etc., etc. And... Um, the idea came to me, you know, that I could either set up a charity like you have, Steve, or, or work for other people's charities. And uh, I chose the latter for, for a number of reasons. And um, I, two of the charities that really sort of struck me, I, I didn't know about the sort of Jordan legacy at that stage, but two of the charities that really sort of struck me as being very um, smart and, on, on you know, uh, on top of the... The, the brief, if, if you like, were Calm, Campaign Against Living Miserably, and Talk Club. Now, Talk Club, um, which was uh, set up by um, a, an incredible guy called Ben Akers. I saw a, a speech that he uh, had made, uh, which had been put on YouTube. And again, it really resonated with me. Um, because.
1: Well, um, I've got to say, I just interrupted you now, Ben Akers, of course, uh, I remember seeing a great video, an educational video, schools video that Ben did, and we exchanged messages. I was kind of blown away with, with that documentary that that he, he recorded. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a huge amount of respect for, for what Ben's doing.
4: Yeah, they're incredible. And uh, there are, you know, other similar kind of charities. Um, and I thought, well, I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I can't work for all of them. But I, I chose Talk Club, but also it made me realise that, in some ways, certain parts of this, the whole suicide prevention charity uh, sector can be a little bit fragmented. And I, I started to think about, you know, what could be done to maybe uh, bring people together. So the talk clubs are basically, it's um, uh, as, as the name suggests, it's as simple as that. People, men can just sort of come along and talk and open up and it's a question of, you know, don't man up, open up, don't bottle up, speak up. Uh, because, you know, as we all know, man up means take it on the chin, suppress it, don't express it. And uh, I think we've got to a stage now where men in particular need to speak openly about what's going on in their head and their hearts. Culturally, I think the expectations on men uh, have been very much to uh, not to talk about their feelings, and vulnerability has been seen as as weakness. So the idea of Talk Club is to, to try and get that across. So we've set I've set Talk now in, in Sheffield uh, with the help of the community foundations of both clubs, Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday, and with the help and support of Talk Club nationally. And I'm pleased to say that it, you know they're going great and we've seen some real progress there. And uh, if I'm being uh, completely honest, I get a lot out of it too. I get as much as uh, out of it by talking and listening. Listening is the other, you know, important sort of side of the coin. Uh, uh, but I get as much out of it as anybody else. I think. This,
0: this is, is Yawa Radio. Radio. Uh,
1: welcome back, everyone. Uh, today, we're talking with our guest, Mike McCarthy, who tragically lost his son, Ross, to suicide in February of 2021. Mike, I'm going to ask you a question, which... You don't have to answer, obviously, because I know how difficult I find it sometimes to respond when I'm asked this question. But how has Ross's death impacted you, uh, your family and and those who knew and loved Ross? But particularly, I suppose, you know, the the fact that he died by suicide. It's
4: had a profound uh, effect. And, you know, I'm sure that's the case for... Many, many hundreds of families all over the world. It's a it's a global problem. Uh, for us, it's sort of difficult to convey the sense of the ripple effect that you know that um, you have the immediate um, tragedy, and you know you go through that numbness, a, a raw kind of pain that's almost you know it's almost in your gut it's a visceral kind of uh feeling that i've never had before i i you know i've suffered sort of grief uh in my life and um but this was grief like um i'd certainly ne- never experienced it i know we've spoken about this haven't we steve that you think that you're okay you can get up in the morning and think, "Mm, I think I'm gonna be okay today. And then out of nowhere, uh, a wave of grief just um, envelops you and and, and knocks you over. It's an enduring thing. And I think part of the way that I am now dealing with it is I'm trying to accept the fact that it's an enduring thing and that it will never go away, that it'll be with me for, for life, but it's about how you deal with that and how you grow around that, that grief.
0: And just, just a
1: question, maybe just to open up, it's, it's, it's for you, is that, it, uh, uh, you know, Danielle, you know, given your own experience and, 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 Paul, within your family, you, you know, you have lived experience of suicide, but no, I've often, have often heard, you know, people say about the, the stigma surrounding having lost someone to suicide and how that's affected other people and the, and their response. Now I have to say personally, and maybe this is because, how open I've been about Jordan's death publicly. I haven't experienced stigma, i.e. someone crossing the streets, if, if you like, to to avoid me. But I just wondered if you, yeah, Danny, Paul, Mike, you know, whether any of you have experienced any form of stigma at, at all. Danny, is this um, something... No,
3: not for me, but I was just going to say that something I sort of found really comforting in the early days was that um, there was people that I hadn't spoken to in a long time or seen that that sort of reached out and yet there were other people that I would have expected to that, that didn't. So I think, um, you know, it kind of shows a lot about yeah. people, isn't it? Sometimes. And, yeah, yeah, I know what
1: you mean. And I think there's some situations like that, that for me as well. I know exactly what you mean. Paul, Paul, in your, in your family, uh, obviously you may just want to explain briefly, of course, you, you had your own uh, lived experience oh, in the family.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, think, what I mean, what I draw from uh, my personal experience with, with family and, and people I've known who've experienced um, suicidal crisis and, and suicidal loss, um, but also through my work um, as a counsellor um, and training as a counsellor and, and also working with many people having suicidal thoughts when I was working in Australia, um, particularly with men who've lost their jobs or about to lose their jobs, but a whole range of different people. I think I've heard so many stories of stigma and shame and guilt and a whole series of these different emotions and uh, one ex—I'll give you two examples. One is you know someone who who lost her father to suicide, um, but you know was told by her mother that he died of a heart attack. Um, so she didn't find out until many many years later, and and that obviously then causes other problems if people don't feel as honesty in their closest relationships.
1: Yeah, it, it's really important, and sometimes it's so simple, isn't it? And I think you know a lot of people do find the situation difficult and awkward, but I think it is about acknowledging it uh, and, and saying something, you know, just as simple as "I'm sorry for your loss" is important. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Mike, before the break, you you shared Ross's story with us, and I want to thank you for that because, uh, as I say, I know you know how how difficult this can be at times, and and you also shared about some of the amazing work uh, that you're now doing to ensure that. Ross's wish that you and the family would go out and fight for mental health and his memory continues. Um, it's not an easy topic to talk about. And, and I suppose my question for you is, and, and maybe a lot of people listening to this interview today will be wondering this as, as well, is kind of how you manage here. Now, how, how do you, I suppose what I mean is that, you know, after such an awful experience, How do you kind of manage to get out of a bed in the morning, let alone kind of come on a radio show and and talk about Ross's suicide? You know, where where do you kind of find that resolve and inner strength from? Uh,
4: As you know, Steve, sometimes it is very difficult to uh, get out of bed, but um, I've kind of found, uh, I wouldn't call it salvation, but I have found huge comfort uh, in the support of other people the kindness of other people and their compassion. And uh, it's something, you know, as a, as a journalist, I used to sort of cover some really dark stories involving terrorist attacks and wars and all the, all the rest of it. And it's a question I ask myself very often, you know, does it make any difference if I say to them, look, I'm sorry for what's happening to you. They don't know me, you know, I'm just a, just a stranger. But it's made me realise that, that that kind of support really does make a difference it makes you feel less lonely in your grief um but also you know getting involved with baton of hope has been absolutely massive for me um you know having something like that that i really believe in um as you know i know you do steve and paul and danny um and that's helped uh, people said to me, you know, that focus on there were two things, and they may sound a bit, you know, cliche to some people, but it it was one was, you know, be kind to yourself, uh, which I think absolutely you recognise the 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 true meaning of that. Uh, the other thing was to sort of express gratitude, for, you know, seek out moments of gratitude, and um, again, that's been sort of really useful for me um and being able to help other people gives me a lot in return and to you know see the progress of of guys at at talk club for example that that i mentioned earlier uh, that's that's been very heartening and very uplifting to me so my message i suppose if uh, that doesn't sound too grand is is that you know i thought this time last year that um i i just wouldn't be able to function properly I, 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 properly I, I felt like um a piece of driftwood that you know it was just being battered along with whichever way the tide was was going um and i just didn't think i would reach the point that i have now where i am managing to sort of cope with the grief and do other stuff other than just grieve
1: i can relate to this you know absolutely you know in terms of giving hope to other people out there i think the fact that i was very very quickly after jordan's death speaking to people who've been through um you know similar experiences you know lost loved ones to to suicide um um uh, was a huge help to me you know and i think you know made you know me recognize that i wasn't the only person or we weren't the only family go, going through that and, and you know I think the message out there is is you know because I have spoken to a lot of people who were worried about family members who have just just hidden themselves away locked themselves away finding it really difficult to um accept what's happened recognize it and and, and certainly talk about it um certainly being able to share the experience um mm-hmm. is is really really important I suppose that should lead us on to the Baton of Hope. Uh, Mike obviously mentioned this this a few times and for anyone who has not yet uh, been aware of the Baton of Hope, uh, uh, Mike and I had a little bit of a surreal experience over the last few days where we we were invited to attend a talk by the Secretary of State uh, for Health, Sajid Javid, who was uh, talking about suicide and particularly uh, he shared his experience of losing his 52-year-old brother Tarek to suicide um, back in 2018. Uh, Mike and I, quite surprisingly, were also invited to have a private audience uh, with the the minister to to talk about the work we're doing with the the Baton of Hope, I, I did smile as Mike and I hope this word is not used inappropriately. Here, Mike hijacked um, the Secretary for State and asked him if he would publicly endorse the Baton of Hope, and delighted to say, his response caught slightly off guard was to say. Uh, yes, uh, and we are waiting for an official quote, of course, uh, from his office. But uh, that did make me smile as I was sitting next to you between uh Sajid Javid and yourself when that, that happened. But it was a it was a great uh, TV moment if it had been caught on on T V. Uh, and then of course that that kind of rather bizarre few days continued with us being invited to speak on uh, BBC Breakfast News on Saturday morning on the the red sofa uh with uh, Charlie and, and, and Nagar and um has been affectionately referred to as teletarts by the other organising committee members. So um, it it has been quite a week, but uh, for anyone who's not aware, the Baton of Hope, which will uh, run in the summer of 2023 and build as the biggest suicide awareness and prevention event that the UK has experienced, where a physical baton will Travel the length and breadth of the United Kingdom through all four nations um, is going to be quite quite an event. And and without going into lots of detail about the event here, Mike, I um, kind of want to a- ask you a question about what happens after that event. So we're really travelling forward in in time here. What do you feel, or do you hope, will be the lasting legacy of uh, you know what is really we're calling an initiative, much more than just a one-off event?
4: Give us a break, Steve. You know we've got to get through this week first. <laughs> um, never mind what, what comes after. battle. No, no, it's a really good question because you know as well as I do, and as, uh, as do as do Daniel and Paul, that the, the legacy is a massive part of it. We don't want to be what I've uh, called, you know, a shooting star that sort of shines brightly for a few uh, few weeks or a few minutes or whatever, and, and then vanishes. Uh, we need to have a legacy. Again, one of the key things I think for for Baton of Hope is change action. Yes, we've got to get a conversation going. Yes, we need uh, awareness. We've got to try our best to encourage people to open up and to sort of talk openly about this subject that is the biggest killer of young people in this country under 35. So, uh, but but al- although that conversation is, is again, core to what we're hoping to achieve, uh, I would be extremely disappointed if we got to the end of the, 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 the physical tour of the baton uh, next summer, and we hadn't, for example, uh, hopefully managed to inspire new suicide prevention projects, managed to uh, create something lasting, Um, And who knows, you know, dare I say it, then maybe there might be a baton of hope 2024, 2025,
1: you know. And of of course, you know, we've heard from our friends across the water in, in the United States and other places, you know who would be very keen to put on their own version of the bat, baton of hope. Huge there. interest
4: in the states, huge yeah. interest in Australia and um, you know I'm sure as word spreads there'll be a uh, huge interest from uh, other nations uh, as well.
2: We, we are fundamentally wanting to move us to towards a zero suicide society, we want to have a fundamental step change in how we see suicide prevention in getting the numbers down and not having them where they are now. So that means doing something different. So in the past, and this is part of the conversation we had where this emerged from, marches achieve so much, having sort of night walks are great for supporting each other. Uh, All these initiatives, you know, can do something. But at the end of the day, if the numbers aren't coming down, we're not getting to the heart of of it. So, you know, I've run lots of events where they've had one-off events that have had big impact based on the evaluation, but then the next suicide numbers come out and the numbers haven't changed. So this is saying, let's do something different. Uh, Let's build people's capacity to take action. Let's have far more people aware and having conversations than we've ever had before. And we're talking about developing a series of charters with known actions that can be taken by businesses, by health organizations, by schools, by individuals, by communities, by government. And we're not just pointing at one part of the system to say, look, can you sort this out? we're actually helping every part of the system to make its uh, its contribution and getting the overall impact that we need.
4: I think Paul makes some really important points there, you know, and the one that, uh, if I may, you know, I, I would just sort of uh, echo is that ultimately what we're hoping to do together as a nation, we can't do this alone, uh, you know, we need all of the people that Paul's referred to, what we're hoping to do ultimately is save lives.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, you know, this is all about making a real practical and measurable difference, isn't it? Well, thank you uh, for that. We're going to take a short uh, break now, maybe just give us all uh, a little bit of time to collect our thoughts. Uh, And to everyone out there listening, this is Jordan Space. I'm your host, Steve Phillip, and we'll be right back after this next track.
0: You're listening to Yawa Radio, and we love to bring you details of the inspirational book of the week. Uh, This week's inspirational book of the week is Stillness is the Key. The Nation's Strategy for Modern Life by Ryan Holiday. Through his massive synthesis of Eastern and Western philosophy, Ryan Holiday teaches us how all to maintain our focus and presence of mind amid the sometimes overwhelming conflicts and troubles of the 21st century life. Whether you're an athlete, an investor, a writer or an entrepreneur, this little but soulful book will open the door to a healthier, less anxious and more productive life and career. So this week's inspirational book of the week is Stillness is the Key. An ancient strategy for modern life by Ryan Holiday. Yawa Radio. Be happy.
1: Be inspired. Uh, Mike, I want to thank you for for coming along today and for being our first ever guest on our uh, little show here. Um, Hopefully you'll come back again. Tell us how your work is is progressing and uh, how you and your family are doing also. Uh, Thanks again, Mike.
4: Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Danny, and thank you, Paul. It's been a a privilege, and thank you for inviting me. Well, uh,
1: Danny, Paul, what uh, an incredible first uh, guest uh, Mike was. Uh, Wouldn't you agree?
3: It really was. um, I think it's so important for others to hear about lived experience and how it's still possible for there to be hope, even after experiencing a tragedy like this.
1: Absolutely right. I mean, Paul, what, what would you hope listeners will have taken away from Mike's story today?
3: Like I said earlier,
2: everybody responds differently to suicide loss and to wanting to make a difference. And so it's always good to hear everybody's stories, and particularly in Mike's story, you know, somebody who has had such, uh, as he says, you know, he, he's been in, in horror situations in war and so on, and, and, and he's never experienced anything like this. The impact of it, he's experienced grief before, but he's never experienced anything like suicide grief. Um, And so I think it's important for people to try and understand that. In some ways, they can't understand it unless you've experienced it, but try and understand that. And then what he said about, you know, he did a bit of research, how can I best help, talk, club, you know, and and now he's seen Baton of Hope as an opportunity. I think everybody just has to find their way of how they can help, which works for them. And, of course, this weekend with yourself and Mike, uh, you know, on the BBC and on the Red Sofa and so on, it's fantastic to see him using his experience to such good effect.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. Well, that just about wraps up our show for today, both. And uh, if you've been listening, I hope you found today's conversation enlightening. And as much as we're obviously discussing a very difficult topic, I hope you'll leave today's show feeling that there is hope and together we can help others find hope too. Look after yourselves. I'm Steve Phillip. This has been Jordan Space. And we look forward to having you join us for our next show very soon.
0: A big thank you for taking the time out to listen to this podcast from the team at Yawa Radio. Remember to check us out live online, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at yawaradio.com. Co. UK. And if you'd like to join us as a guest on Yawa Radio or as a guest on the Yawa Radio podcast, we would love to hear from you. Simply email studio at uk. Once again, a big thank you for taking the time out to listen. This is the Yawa Radio podcast. Copyright applies. With inspirational guests from around the world, inspirational quotes... The inspirational book of the week, the meditation hour, the quiet zone, and feel-good music. Yawa Radio is about well-being, happiness, and finding the beauty within. Enjoy. Be beautiful. Be happy. Be inspired. This is Yawa
3: Radio.